HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Nettle Meadow Farm Cheese and Spirits Pairing, taking place on Saturday, June 18th at Nettle Meadow Farm. For more information, visit NettleMeadowCheeseAndSpirits.com. That's N-E-T-T-L-E, MeadowCheeseAndSpirits.com. Hey, 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 I'm Jimmy Carboni from Beer Sessions Radio. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live on the Heritage Radio Network every Tuesday from roughly 12 to roughly 12.45 in Bushwick, Brooklyn at Roberta's Pizzeria. You guys should see the drugs that Dave huffs before he does that every time. So, call in your questions. It's a sad show today. Immediately after that, you just shed a tear, too. It's a sad, yeah, it's a sad show today. That was a great intro, though. Thank you. I switched it up a little bit for you. Uh, today is we, not in the booth today. In the what do you call this? In the room with us today, the not live in the booth, room. is uh, Jack Inslee, Jackie Molecules. It's his last. It's his last cooking issues. Jack is leaving us, and so uh, it's you know it's it's sad. And he's not in the booth to give us the sad noise. I know, <laughs> but like you know, just picture him. Aww, Aww. Aww. Well, but the good news is he's going to go on on tour. Uh, which he'll talk about in a minute for a couple of months, and then he's uh, going to start his uh, own uh, radio station down in uh, Washington. Why don't you tell us about it, Jack? Yeah, Washington D.C. It's going to be. I can't give too many details away yet. Uh, the ink is not dry, but it'll be a really, really exciting radio station. I'm starting in a really cool public space uh, in in D.C. So uh, some food. <laughs> now, now you play the sound. Yeah, nice, nice, nice. Uh, <laughs> It'll be some food, uh, lots of music, of course, some politics by nature of the city, um, countercultures, all kinds of stuff. It'll be fun. Wait, so what, but before politics, what subjects? Food, of course. Okay. There'll be some food, and right. those food shows, hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll be sharing those with Heritage. And, right. Uh, a lot of music, a lot of DJ shows and uh, live music. When you say DJ, like... Like stuff like that you do, or more like, ns, ns, like what kind of like? Well, no, I want like, uh, you know, go go is like the the thing in DC, or like uh, for real, like old school. Yeah, or like hardcore, like uh-huh. you know, there's DC hardcore, like old school hardcore, like Bad Brains. Sure, I'm I'm open. It'll be all all genres of music. Right. Uh, definitely not really club music. I don't think so. No, um, not even a little. Ns, just for maybe a little. 
yeah. some late right. night stuff. So uh, here to uh, by the way, are you going to be open? You think the radio show is going to a station is going to open before the elections in November? No, but I'll be down. I'm moving in September to DC. So if any listeners are in DC and want to hang out, uh, I need some friends. So so get at me, and I'll, I'll be recording like compiling content starting in September and definitely covering the election. So nice, cool. Yeah. And to uh, wish uh, Jack farewell, we got a full uh, full room here today. We got uh, Peter Kim, who maybe he can piss off Jack today instead of pissing me off you know you got uh i think people want me are want me here to needle you dave yes so. yeah but you know you can needle me all the time this is your last molecules you by the way call yeah, in. I, I like jack i have a lot of respect <laughs> oh, for jack strong we jack got, is jack is a high quality individual <laughs> we got uh we got uh cooking issues friend uh, paul adams here from uh the popular the science that is popular how you doing that's correct. I'm here. Yeah. Uh, also, fan of skunks. I don't know if you know this. And, <laughs> and fan of skunks. For for more captain included. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. 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 And uh, to be more accurate, skunks are a fan of me. Uh, ah. uh, and uh, and also uh, avid. Uh, what's like uh, like rocketeer for drones? Like droneteer? No. Like droner. No, listeners, call mm-hmm. in with your suggestions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, as usual, the, the uh, ever-ebullient Nastasia the Hammer Lopez here. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, for Jack's last day, <laughs> we, have some, uh, we have some bubbly. Nastasia's going to open it because if there's one thing that makes her happy, it's got to be uh, the bubbly. That's true. Yeah, By the so. way, Paul's a drone thug. Drone thug? Ooh. Oh. Which, are you the harmony? Yeah. Wow! Yeah. Now, nice. now I need you to like during the commercial break. Drone, I need drone, re- drone, drone, drone. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even have to wait. I didn't have to wait. I was like, you can rework the lyrics while we're. Oh man! Oh, strong. Quick. <laughs> strong. Strong. You know, I saw a uh, like a fat, like a, a fast rapping. Like my Dax is obsessed with rappers that can rap quickly. I probably already have talked about this on the radio show. I'm like the ones you don't even know what you're talking about. But anyway, one of them like. Is this from the moped event? I don't remember. He's like super. It's because I was going to meet, I think, Buster Rhymes at one time, and I didn't get to meet Buster Rhymes. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, and so, and he had thought Eminem was the fastest rapper, and I was like, you don't know what you're talking about. It's not even in contention. First of all, like, speed isn't, it's speed with flow is what's important, not like, you know what I mean? I was like. There's one answer to this question uh, it's uh, Twista. uh, Well,. Technically, yeah, but I mean, was is that the fast stuff that you'd listen to, like on a daily basis? Yeah, he's good. Right. I mean, I have some Twister, of it. Right? I mean, all right, yeah. okay. Anyway, uh, we can all agree it's not Eminem. No, it's not Eminem. <laughs> like <laughs> that part, we can agree. Anyway, so then I don't, I don't even remember how I got into it. Let's get let let's get to some uh, some questions. But before we do, remember you have a short time left to call in all of your molecule related <laughs> questions to Jackie Molecules. I wish yeah, we could, expert on molecules. We got to get that ringtone back. Do you oh, have yeah. it? Oh, you have it on the thing? You can play it. I don't even know if I still have it on molecules. here. Molecules. Two seven one eight four nine seven two one two eight. That's seven one eight four nine seven two one two eight. Hey, we got a caller. Okay, caller, you're on the air. Hey guys, hey. Um, so before I ask my question, uh, just real quick, I wanted to um, extend a sincere thank you to Jack for all the time he's put in. Um, just, just wish him safe travel and good luck in everything that he's doing. Thank you. Um, oh, yeah. Wow. Um, so are you there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have, we have after that. Um, and goodbye. So my my question uh, is. My brother recently got married, and I was asked to make a groom's cake, 
And so I decided to make the milk bar uh, mini chocolate chip cake with the passion fruit curd. And um, because I couldn't find passion fruit curd locally and it was uh, there was a time constraint, I went ahead and used the really crappy mango nectar. And um, I felt kind of like an enemy of quality. But um, something something really weird happened because I followed the recipe to a T. But when I made the the curd filling, um, the egg mixture, like, totally curdled. And, like, the little protein particles started to, like, block out and, like, agglomerate. And the weirdest thing happened because after I mixed in the butter in the food processor, it became totally silky smooth again. And I'm just wondering why it would, like, curdle and then be able to come back to being totally smooth again. Huh. Well, hold on a second. Let me cheers, Jack, while we're, while we're, while I'm okay. thinking. Cheers. <laughs> huh. So, I don't know why it broke. That's it. It's interesting. The, um, Peter wouldn't cheers me. Speaking of enemy of quality. So weak. I'm in the room there. He won't even, he's like, I'll cheers everyone, but not Dave. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I've never, I've never actually, interestingly, uh, I mean, I've eaten a whole hell of a lot of mango in my life, including Nastasia and, and Harold McGee and I went down to pound mangoes in Florida once. It was a nightmare of a trip, actually, but we can talk about that later. Complete nightmare. Uh, and it led me to the knowledge that tropical fruit people are very possessive of their fruit. Whether they're ever going to freaking eat it or not, I'm like, I've said this before, I'm like a temperate fruit person where they're like, hey, take all the apples. I don't care. I don't eat these things. I just collect the trees. <laughs> like, the people in the tropics are like, Touch my mango, you're dead. I'm like, you have billions. Anyway, whatever. I've, uh, but the strange thing is I have never cooked with mango, ever. Mm. I've only ever eaten mango. I've made mango into drinks, and I've used mango in cold prep, but I've never cooked a mango. Mangoes are relatives of, uh, let me see, they're relatives actually of like poison ivy and, and uh, cashews. I think they're anacardaceae, I think. But it's been a long time since I've looked that up. Uh, yeah, but, that's right. Yeah, uh, so they contain a latex in them, but I don't know of anything that necessarily would break a curd. I wonder whether anyone out there in the chat room has had an experience uh, cooking mangoes and can, uh, can, can help us out. But as for the silky smooth, there's lots of times when you get like kind of a micro break in something, and then when you blend the hell uh, you know, out of it with another like smooth, especially emulsified ingredient like butter, it'll come back into shape on you. In fact... Uh, I have a recipe for uh, milk syrup, which I'm actually going to talk about later because of a question we have if we get to it, where the whole point is you make a micro break in it. So you stabilize the milk with sugar, you make a micro break in it with, uh, with a little bit of acid, and it curds it a little bit, and that like little bit of break actually keeps it smooth because you break the, 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 the pieces that have broken, you break them into, into pieces smaller than your tongue can taste, which is roughly uh, 20 micrometers is roughly the limit that your tongue can sense in terms of now you can sense different textures smoother than that like things can become more unctuous all of a sudden but in terms of actual grit or, or particles you can't really tell uh, much below 20 uh, 20 micrometers so um it's micrometers, right? Now. It is yes, micrometers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, my, I'm making sure that I'm metric. The uh, the point being that um, it's it's easy to do, and so if something is breaks a little bit, it can actually be more stabilized if the ensuing actions break it into pieces that are finer than your tongue can taste, and it no longer agglomerates afterwards. I don't know. Is that helpful at all? Yeah, I gotcha. That makes total sense. Yeah. 
So I'm thinking that's what happened. I'm, I'm thinking what, that you did some sort of partial break, and then when you put it into the other thing, it just you know brought it all back together, and whatever the partial break was uh, is stable now. Now, uh, the flip is I have no freaking idea what's in mango that would make it behave differently. If anything, I would guess passion fruit would be the evil thing because it's so acidic, you know? Yeah, yeah. Was the mango right. puree nasty, or was it good? Did it taste nasty? Uh, no, it was. It came out like exactly how I wanted. It was super silky smooth, and like you could not even tell that it had remotely even broken at all. So you did not ruin the wedding. No. <laughs> well, did you, did not you, for that reason. Yeah, not for, I was going to say, did you ruin the wedding some other way? Did you do some sort of like Steve Buscemi toast at the end, and like you know? <laughs> no, I, di- I didn't bring any plain white toast either. Oh man, well we're working on we'll work on the plain white we'll work on the good plain white toast. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, see you. Bye. All right. So, uh, see what we got here. As, well, might as well do the milk question now, right? Yeah. Unless any, do you guys do you guys have any pressing cooking questions before I get to the? While to, you're talking about passion fruit, what? Passion, while yeah. you're talking about passion fruit, why is passion fruit so delicious? Ah, <laughs> do you know there are very very many different kinds of uh, passiflora uh, fruits that you know the whole the genus right passiflora fruits that um, are consumed worldwide, um, especially in South America. And we only get one of them, maybe two. Like nowadays, you can sometimes get the yellow, like the Grenadilla-style ones yes. up here. But we usually get the small, wrinkly ones. And I like them all, but they aren't all, strictly speaking, delicious. Do, do you like – well, Paul does, I'm sure. But do you like musky flavors, folks? Stas, what, what do you think about a musky fruit? No. No? no. Peter? Yeah. No? no. Doesn't so that, sound very good. There's like some very musky passiflora ones uh, in like weird shapes. Like there's one that looks like an overgrown uh, Australian finger lime kind of, hmm. Koruba, and, and it's got a very musky kind of note to it. So maybe that's not inherently delicious. But also, like, there's something. You know how lychee gets sweaty? Yes. Yeah. So. I think sometimes passion fruit, it's not the same kind of sweat, but I can get some sweat on a passion fruit. What do you guys think? Sweat on a fruit. <laughs> but I like it. I do think it's delicious. It's just so acidic. I like anything freaking acidic, and I like the texture of the little seedy seeds. It's acidic, but it's also got that like juiciness that's a certain kind of acidity that yuzu has mm-hmm. and yeah. a couple of other tropical fruits. Also, related question. You know how, like, you group together tropical fruit flavors as sort of a category? Is there an actual common thread between tropical fruits? I asked someone that once, and you know what the answer was? They didn't answer my question. So I don't know. I mean... You think about, like, right, like mango, banana, papaya. Well, okay. Those are all your lactone fruits, right? Well, Mm -hmm. and, like, a lot of them have a lot of real high ester notes, too. And, you know, like, a lot of those really kind of, like, high volatilizing things. I don't know. Maybe there's something about tropical environment that requires fruits to be extremely volatile. And not, like, volatile like I'm volatile, like, (laughs) volatile like aroma chemicals. Uh, But the – it is interesting. But – it's true. It's, it's very. There are very few temperate fruits that have tropical notes in them. Strawberries, right, have a little bit of that, although they're clearly a temperate taste. But they can. Some of the other ones have some higher notes, especially when they start to go off. Peach. Uh, yeah, a good peach. A good peach. Some apples. Yeah, the rare apple. But like, you know what? The the uh, the one that really tastes like it's a tropical fruit, that is completely temperate, is uh, the May apple. 
the American, uh, it's, but you can't get it because it's poisonous. But it's not really poisonous, but it's like kind of poisonous. It's like mezzo, mezzo poisonous. It's like, <laughs> it's like, it's poisonous to the extent that if they sold it in the supermarket, somebody would kill mm. themselves because right. they would eat the seeds and they would eat it unripe. Mm. But once it's ripened, and uh, I only got a couple of them last year. I have a whole like plot of them, and I was like, oh, I'm going to let them ripen one more week before I pull them in. And in that week, the animals came and ate every one but two. I'm talking. I have like bigger than this studio of like a uh, uh, mayapple tree, uh, you know, un, you know, whatever they're called, little plants. You know what I mean? It's a perennial, and um, all gone but two. But when it finally ripened, man, that was delicious. It'd be worth dying for the poisonous because it's like tropical, but it grows in Connecticut. Anyway, when does it hit? Uh, they're on the thing now. Right now, they're the size of what size is that? <laughs> this, they're this big. Uh, the size of an unripe maple. Nah, nah they're the, the size of a large shooter marble. Yeah. Wow. But uh, the uh, they're they're still green. I've got to, I can't let them go. It's that one week. As soon as they start to show show signs of ripening, I'm going to pull them and let them ripen inside. You can get them this weekend, though. No, it needs to go longer than that. It says May because they show up in May, but like last year, it wasn't like it was after Fourth of July is when they got when they got taken. This year is so weird anyway with uh, with what's it called? What's it called? Weather. What's that thing? What's that thing? Weather. Uh, anyway, so that's a delicious tropical fruit. You know what? A fruit that I've never tried that I grew up with, but I was always petrified of. You familiar? You guys familiar with U Y E W U the wood? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah, taxodium species, I think. And so, uh, he, so it, obviously, it doesn't have actual technical fruit because it's a conifer, so it, it's not an angiosperm, has no flowers, therefore has no fruit. Right? Right. So, but it has what's called an arrow that looks like a fr- fruit. And, we'll, and it's like a red, we'll call it a berry, even though it's not a berry, but it's a red berry. Yeah, and Jack has a fruit. You can always tell uh, a U because it's got the red berries on it, and the red berries have like a hole in the front of them, like sunken. They look like a cup. Yeah, right? yeah, like an olive, like, an olive, like yeah. a pitted olive. Yeah, like a pitted olive, right? Like like a red mar- mini red martini olive, and uh, and so what's interesting is is that even a couple of the seeds crushed will kill you. But yeah, the f- right. but the fruit apparently, the actual arrow itself, the red part, okay. I don't. Yeah, I'm not taking. But that I don't chance. have I don't have the cojones. I don't no. got the stones. I do, but is it delicious? Uh, I don't know. I haven't found anyone that's actually eaten it. Where's the seeds? Right inside the damn thing. So you have to like squash them, but not crush the seeds. No way. And like, and make sure you spit the seeds out because literally, uh, I've read cases of like kids who've eaten three of them are down, down for the now. Strangely, strangely, the conifer hemlock, not related to the poisonous hemlock, totally edible. You can make a tea from the hemlock. Mm -hmm. Right, and apparently nice beds because it's nice and soft if you're in the woods woodcrafting. But uh, you. No. So you doesn't sound poisonous, sounds fine, is deadly poisonous. Hemlock sounds poisonous, is not. It's the water hemlock that's poisonous, which is, as we all know, related to parsley and all those things, which is why you should never forage for what, Peter? Uh, wild freaking parsley, Peter. You're going to kill your whole family. You never forage for wild freaking parsley. Hey, Dave, we got another caller on the line. Caller, you're on the air. Hey, Dave, how's it going? Doing all right. Good. It's uh, Chris from the Green Zone in D.C. Hey, how you doing? Good, how are you? Hey, did you ever have any luck with, uh, like, uh, stabilized mint tea green liquors? No, not really. Hmm. Have you ever thought, uh, but did you I ever try a, doing... I have a fruit question for you, as long as we're talking about fruits and acids. All right, all right. <clears throat> um, I'm doing a drink that has bitter orange juice in it, but bitter oranges are now out of season, and I wanted to know if there are any substitutes. 
Okay. Does, uh, look, I don't know anything about D.C. Do you have a hardcore Latin neighborhood in D.C.? Sort of. Bitter oranges are never out of season in Latin markets, but they're not the good – I mean, okay, I don't want to be like – they're not the ones that you might think of as good ones. Like they're not Seville's. They're not like – they don't have really nice uh, skins or anything like that. No, that's fine because I'm using the juice. Yeah, and the juice, to be honest, not like super on point point, but it's got not just the sourness – so, like, you know, obviously at the bar, like, I take regular oranges and I hit them with acid to get the acid profile that I like. Right. But it doesn't have the kind of bitterness that the bitter oranges have. But Latin markets right. have their version of bitter orange, you know, that's, like, mashed up with garlic and whatnot. Like, they have them, like, all year long. At least in New York they do. They have them all year long. Huh. Yeah, and you can get it bottled. The oh, yeah, sauce. but come on. You, really? You can buy that in a bottle? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen it bottled, but it doesn't sound very good. Well, it's with garlic, so you probably wouldn't want it in the bar. Yeah, and also, yeah. <laughs> like, I can't think of anything. Do you like, Paul, do you like uh, that, like, that chopped last year garlic stuff? I haven't really tried it. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's that It's that thing that looks like... Convenience garlic. Yeah. It's, like, weird. Yeah, that stuff's nasty. My grandma used to buy that exclusively. My grandma, you know, died in the, I don't know, like, early 90s, maybe. Yeah, early 90s. She was like, look what they can do now. They can put chopped up garlic in a jar. I'm like, no, they can't, Grandma. Have you tasted this stuff? You know what I mean? Anyway, um, whatever. But so I, I would do that. Or I would say that you you, know, you could try acid adjusting it, but it's not going to have that, um, that bitter well, hit. Thing, what, what blend of acids is in a bitter orange? Well, okay, I cheat, and I just turn it into lime juice. And so, yeah, if I you, mean, yeah. yeah, if you take, I mean, like, I have the recipe for that in, in the book. But look, here's the thing: I would assume I've ta- I've used straight bitter oranges off the trees in uh, in Arizona, and I've used straight bitter orange juice for cocktails uh, before. I don't remember what the ratio is, but it's pretty damn close to lemon or lime juice in terms of total acidity. And so, what, huh. what you're looking at there is a six percent. You're just looking at six percent acidity, so you can choose right. what kind of acidity you want. You know, if right. you want, if you want to stay more on the lemon side, then you know citric. If you want to shade it towards the lime side, you know malic. all the way so two to one malic. I wouldn't go more than uh, two to one uh, citric to malic. I wouldn't go higher in malic because I don't think it's going to yeah. taste citrus anymore. I think it'll take on some other kind of notes. But like anywhere in that. Uh, in that ratio is is fine, and you know the 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 ratio to turn it into lime juice would be uh, thirty two roughly depending on the oranges you have roughly thirty two mm. grams of citric and twenty grams of malic per liter. So you're looking at an additional acid of uh, someone help me out of thirty to fifty two grams of acid per liter in any sort of ratio up to about 20 grams of malic should do it. Uh, and that way, all of your bartenders can just use it as though it were lemon or lime juice, and you don't have to worry about them like being like, oh, I got a flat, or I got I to gotta use a fat half ounce of this because it's not the same. The, the crappy thing about the, the, the juice, the yield on the, on the Latin uh, sour oranges is bad if you... Um, are going to strain it because the pulp tends to be very coarse, and so you lose kind of a lot to the pulping, uh, the pulp right. straining. But you know, try it. They're they're okay. I like them, but they're different. They're very different from the Seville's. Very. Well, what about the uh, the bitterness element? Oh, they're bitter. I mean, they're bitterish. You know what I mean? And no, I mean if I'm if I'm doping orange juice. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, you can ju- I mean, you could add any sort of like bitters, anything, I guess, or you could like throw some peel in there and let it macerate for a while. You know what I mean? And then that. What bring about it. like um, bitter orange essential oil? Oh, I never used it. Uh, I never used it. You'd probably want to suspend that in some alcohol and then stir it in, but it might break. You might need to have a little bit of a um, arabic or something. Yeah. See what see okay, what well, see what works. I've got that, as you probably remember. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, but anyway, like, right. let us know how it works. Yeah, I'll give it a shot. Right, cool. And uh, Jack should definitely come check out Green Zone. He's in DC. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you I sure will. Call in from call in from there to one of the shows and go and go do it. Yeah, but you got to figure yeah, out the definitely. mint before he comes. Hey, he's not going to come to you until you figure out the green mint. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. All right. Well, we'll work on it. All right, cool. All right. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. All right. So, should we go back to the question? Got another caller too. Oh, call, okay, caller, you're on the air. Hey there, Dave. Uh, I got a quick question for you, but first I also want to say thanks to Jack. Uh, congrats on your new venture. That sounds pretty awesome, dude. Thanks, man. Yeah. Um, okay, so, Dave, um, I've been doing a sourdough culture for a while, mm-hmm. like a couple of years, um, and have fed it with all different types of flour, but recently have been feeding it with gold metal. Right. Um, and they just had a big recall... Uh, because of possible E. coli contamination mm-hmm. on some of their some of their flowers, so my question is, um, will you remind me of the time and temperature killing regimen for E. coli? And like, am I going to have to toss out my two-year-old tower starter because? I'm going to go ahead and say no. The chances, the chances of you, the God's honest truth is, I don't know whether. Look, your sourdough starter isn't going to kill E. coli, but I don't – like your sourdough starter is a huge melange of different microbes, and I think you're probably – the E. coli is probably going to get way out-competed, especially over – if you're keeping it alive, it means you're feeding it and using it on a regular basis, and so uh, it's going to get out-competed. And there's – E. coli is what we in the trade like to refer to as ubiquitous. It's everywhere. So the you know if you have a toddler anywhere in the house that's gotten anywhere near it, you like E. coli up and down all over like you know left yeah. and right all over that. Unless you dip your hands in bleach every time that you're touching it, like their E. coli has gotten in it before. So I would say no. I wouldn't worry about it. Um, also, unless you're eating sourdough raw, like you are cooking the hell out of uh, bread. Even if you – let's say you let your sourdough go for such a long time that it's an acid bomb and you need to bring it back. And so you make pancakes with a whole bunch of it so that you can have a small amount that you bring back to life again, which is a valid use. Because as we all know, sourdough pancakes, yeah, you're using the acidity of the sourdough starter, of an overdone sourdough starter in, in conjunction with um, baking soda as a base. You're not actually using the, the actual acid uh, – the actual um, – flora of it anyway so even in that pancakes are you're cooking the hell out of a pancake and you're going to be killing the hell out of the coli yeah yeah i think all the gold metal illnesses were from people eating raw dough yeah raw dough and remember this like so what happened now no obviously obviously sourdough starter is a good place for bacterial and yeast growth otherwise guess what it wouldn't work right (laughs) but the but I'm, I'm thinking you're going to be out-competed, and I would not – I mean, like, there's so many chances for contamination. And just think of the lawsuits. I'm just kidding. I'm not yeah. kidding. I'm kidding. I never, <laughs> I never recommend – never recommend – never recommend lawsuits. But uh, I'll also say this. Uh, 
it, it must have been, I haven't read the research since I looked at it originally, but it must have been uh, contamination of a liquid on a grain, perhaps when it was going through the tempering step prior to being milled. Uh, there's a couple of places that you can get contamination on the grain. And then, uh, obviously, you know, you're not killing the bacteria. Uh, it can go dormant in the dry conditions, and that's how it can theoretically survive, yada, yada. But um, I'm, I personally, I would feed it to my family. That's all I'm saying. But cook it. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, Dave. All right. Appreciate it. No problem. Okay. Back to the milk question. Yeah, what's this milk question? All right, this is Ben from Rhode Island. He says, making a clarified milk punch, I want to keep the punch base, grapefruit, pineapple, whole milk, matcha tea, separate from uh, the booze, so I can figure it out as an a la carte cocktail, use it with different spirits and minimize waste. I'm getting very small curds. That's my next band. Yeah. Small curds. Small curds. Small curds. Uh, I'm getting very small curds that are too small for even the finest of cheesecloth. The finest cheesecloth. Uh, coffee filters work, especially super thick Chemex filters, but this is a brutal process. Uh, one of the things, as we all know, that Nastasia Lopez will never do is filter liquor through coffee filters. Right. Yeah. <laughs> never, never. You know what? She'd be like, no. I'm, and she'd walk away. That would be it. Hmm. It's one of those things. Why? It's, I did it a lot. It's, de- it's detestable. Yeah. She's like, I'm done. You know how like... Uh, no, I will, I'll do liquor through coffee filters. I won't do grapefruit juice freeze thaw through cheesecloth ever ever yeah she walked it's like (laughs) it's like you know but I think it's the kind of thing like 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 pooping in diapers where you say you're done with it but you never know you might go back to it later wow (laughs) will you do it good one uh what well, you do. I do what I have to. You know me. It's like it's like it's like if I'm in a situation where I have to do it, I'll be like, ah. Oh. But I'm getting better, Nastasia. I am now choosing things that don't require me to do the awful thing. Like it used to be, so eager to please that I would just choose the thing that I thought was absolutely the best, and then figure out how to do it later, which often meant screwing us. But now I'm like, I'm gonna choose something that's really good. But it's also not going to screw us. Getting older. <laughs> you familiar with the Gangrene album, Older Budweiser? Oh, that's good. Yeah, good, strong. But they uh, they were famous for a... Uh, Peter just got it. Yeah, Older Budweiser, <laughs> yeah. They were famous for... They did a cover oh, of uh, Voices Carry. They did a hardcore cover of Voices Carry in the uh, 80s that won some very important Boston Battle of the Bands, and it rocketed them to quote-unquote fame in the comedy hardcore world. They, I think they, for a minute they were past the Dead Milkman. It was like, who's going to be the comedy hardcore like, you know, group? Is it going to be Gangrene or is it going to be Dead Milkman? And it's back and forth. Wow. I like them both. Yeah, yeah. Uh, milk Punch. How the hell did we get on this? What were we talking about? Small curds. Uh, I'm getting very small curds that are too small for even the finest cheesecloth. Coffee filters uh, work, especially the thick Chemex filters, but it's a brutal process. Would upping the acid increase the size of the curd, making it easier to clarify? Any other tips? Uh, Yeah, I don't think upping the acid. In fact, I've had someone over, like, somehow they were able to rapidly acidify it and then, like, stop it from breaking. Here's what I would do. 
in, in, in this order, depending on whether you need to do it right now, like today, or you can wait. So I did a little test this morning, and the problem with, one of the problems with the, your recipe is if your recipe has a lot of sugar in it, uh, sugar tends to uh, stabilize. As I said before, with milk syrups, it tends to stabilize and create very small, uh, very, very small curds. In fact, sometimes such that it doesn't even look like it's broken. So I would not put any sugar into your recipe or as little sugar as you can, you know, you know yeah, as little as you can until later on in the recipe after you've broken the milk. That's one. Uh, two, uh, anything you can do to uh, destabilize um, the the protein so that they go together in big clumps would help. So I did this. For, I did. Uh, I didn't know what your. I don't know what your recipe is. So I did fifty uh, percent water, fifty percent milk, right? And then I added. Uh, so I did uh, uh, ounce 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 and then in one I added another half ounce of water and some citric acid to break it and another one I added a half a half ounce only of uh, 30 proof uh, I had some 30 proof old banana hustino vodka right in but a small amount of alcohol just to help destabilize it a little bit and citric acid and I got much bigger fluffier curd and better yield out of the one that had even a small amount of alcohol so if it doesn't need to be like like doesn't need to be alcohol free for kids even a small dose of alcohol will help destabilize Stabilize it if you need to do it right now. If you, and also, your technique, how you move the curd around, can cause the curd to be bigger. If you move it gently around, and as I like to say, sweep the spoon around to let the curds get bigger and bigger as they as they pull casein in from outside, that's going to help. Lastly, it's pretty much universally recognized that rennet does a better job of making big curds than acid. So if you can uh, if you can go on the internet and buy rennet to do your curding instead of acid, it's microbial, so you don't need to worry about it being, you know, you're killing some baby animals for it. Uh, I mean, unless you want to, in which case you can get the baby animal one. If you need to have dead animal in your cocktail, you can do it. Um, mm. But the... Um, Anyway, so I would do it uh, in that order. And that reminds me. Last week we had a question about uh, – that's enough, right, Styles, on that? Yeah. So uh, last week we had a question about uh, spices and freezing them. And I remembered like afterwards what I forgot to say. Another reason to freeze spices. We were talking the, – the, the questionnaire was worried about, the questioner was worried about uh, spoilage and all this other stuff and whether or not the freeze style would be a problem and moisture and blah, blah, blah. Here's a good reason to freeze spices. A lot of spices are infested with the eggs of uh, insects, like weevils and other nasty little things. This is especially true on, like, the more artisanal your product is, the more likely it is it's infested with some sort of crazy uh, thing. Uh, even, like, uh, flowers that you get, if you get, like, small-run flowers from artisanal places that don't have, like, you know, don't have, like, E. coli spraying quality controls kind of situations in it, um, hmm. They can have infestations in them, and if you're worried about long-term storage or something that might have insect eggs in it, freeze. The I always get my spices at Duel, the the like Indian shop. You ever had any? Ever had any hatching? No, they have dates on all of them, which is great. Date the like the, the, the date, dates. not the fruit. You know what though? Uh, people make those freaking dates up. You think so? Yeah. Oh, I know so. Yeah. Okay. I have seen it happen. <laughs> but like the uh, like the but no. But it's good to know. It's you know what you know what a date's good for. It's good for you as a consumer to know how long you've had it right, anyway. Right. But I'm not going to say where I bought it. It wasn't dual specialty. But there was a particular brand of flour that I still to this day buy because I really like it. Uh, uh, Indian. Um, 
uh, like a chapati flour that mm. is uh, that like is like I love it because it's like it's it's whole it's mostly whole grain but it's really soft and it doesn't puncture like whole wheat does so it's really good uh, adjunct to like biscuits if you want to give it a little bit of wheatiness like I really like mm, it biscuits biscuits everyone likes them but Nastasia I had something else what? in the harpy on the, yeah no, don't get me started please you didn't know this yeah. what. Peter, you did not know this? No. Well, I mean, I, I would have guessed. You would have guessed? <laughs> Why? Because they're delicious? Because everybody loves biscuits, and they're delicious. Mm. Yeah. Too dry for me. That, that's, uh, well, that's why they invented category? butter. That's, that's a category? That's why they invented butter, yeah, Nastasia. Exactly. They, they have two solutions to your problem. <laughs> I'll name two. Butter. Jelly. I'll name some more. Honey. Molasses. Good molasses. Mm. Not that bull crap that we get in, normally in the supermarket. Have but the... Got a question for Jack or in the chat room. Nice. What's the question? Oh, Jack, what is your favorite meal? Um, first thing that came to mind was like cacio e pepe done right. Yeah. Nastasia, why don't you give us your thoughts on that? On that? Yeah. I know you have serious thoughts. No, you're the... No, I don't... You, you, when I say done right, it like has to be like... I agree with Stas on this. Like It's got to be al dente. And, like, when you say al dente, you like, like it like Nastasia? Like, like yeah, hard I, as... Hard as hard. No, like a little bit more than al dente. So Nastasia, you're saying you don't like it hard? I do like it hard. <laughs> I like it ah, made her do it. Made her say it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But no, but Nastasia likes it hard to the point of like no. small core on the inside. Yeah. Oh, like the, they're still white in the yeah. middle of the noodle. Like a, a, a tiny noodle. bit? Yeah, I kind of get down with that. Yeah. yeah? I like bucatini. Yeah. Oh, the, everyone. Yeah, I like bucatini. Yeah. That shit. I mean, that stuff. Whoa, family, whoa, whoa, leave me out. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, family Joe. Family Joe. I'm too used to Leahy being yeah, on. Yeah, cachoe pepe. I guess that's the answer. I think it's a weird word. It doesn't sound like... It reminds me, like, I think there's a dude making it. I think that, I think it's like Why? a dude named Pepe that's making it. Oh, Pepe's making <laughs> Like that's why, like it's somehow, like I don't know, I don't, I can't, you know, I don't know any, I don't know any actual Italian like, uh, like Nastasia here. So anyway, we have a question about. Uh, should I talk about the rice, or do you want to talk more about that? You want to talk more about you? We had a question in the crowd. Was that enough? You want to talk? Is that more enough? About yeah, I think that's enough. You make that for yourself? Yeah, I don't do that that great of a job though. Why? How can you up your game? How can I up my game? It's uh, the finishing step there. You know, it's just the consistency is never like perfectly. Um, do you like using pasta water? Yeah. Of course, you have to. No, I actually tried. Uh, Kenji has a weird technique where he kind of uh, cooks the pasta dry in a in like a pan, like a like a saucepan, like risotto style. Yeah, exactly. Porque? Why? I don't know. I tried it. I know a bunch of people that have talked about uh, pre-frying their pasta. I never really bought. I never bought yeah. it. I never done it. I did it once and did it again. No. Mm. It's called like pasotto or something. Really? I heard somebody say that. Yeah. Pasto? Why would they call it that? Well, it's when you use the liquid that the pasta is cooking in as a sauce. Oh no, he's talking about pre-frying the pasta mm-hmm. like a risotto. Uh, all right. Yeah. Right, Peter zoned out for a minute. It's a chance. <laughs> hey, we got another caller. If you want to take it. Yeah. I was okay. sleeping. Okay, caller, you're on the air. Hello, Dave. Uh, Long time listener, first time caller. Nice. Mm. You I made it under the wire. You still have Jack questions. here. Yeah, nice. What's up? Um, I know that's against the rules, but one is actually for a different show altogether called Issues. Oh, oh wow. Wow. Let's start with that. Long-time one. listener. Yeah, so my first question is for Jack, and it's in regards to uh, Darcy's show, Chef's Talk. Chef's Story, yeah. And then that is going to fold into my second question for Cooking Issues. All right. So I, was listen- I've, I listen to a lot of shows on the Heritage Network, and the one thing I always can't understand is why Dorothy can't remember your name when she thinks <laughs> at the end of the episodes and always calls you Jack Innes. Boom. You know, Dorothy has a lot going on. 
she's a very busy woman. She's 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 awesome. She's awesome. But I do laugh every time I get called Jack Innes on that show. Is that a thing? Is Jack Innes like a person? Is no. There, is there a, an Innes somewhere? No. Is it like a baseball player or something? She's called. She calls Aaron Aaron Fairchild sometimes. Mm. Instead of Fairbanks. I think she just you know mixes up the names a little bit. Mm. Yeah. I, I'm glad you noticed that though. Thanks. Yeah, I yeah. just figured you'd fix it in post production, <laughs> but that's cool. Oh no, you should do it the way I do it for everything. Just put a totally different voice in. Right. And thanks to Jack Inslee. Yeah, yeah, or just the Inslee part. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. 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 Inslee. Inslee. <laughs> my, uh, my ringtone for Peter, I gotta play that. If I have time, I'll play that. I'll play my Peter ringtone. Oh, what like is it? Bro, well, are you, start, you get your second question going, and I'll get, I'll get Peter's ringtone up here. All right, sounds good. So I was listening to an episode where Steve Jenkins was being interviewed and yeah. basically called out the olive oil industry and cold press not being a real thing. And I started to look into, like, raw juice and juice bars, and I've always been a fan of the Champion Juicer and wanted to see what the fundamental differences were. And everyone that I see who puts out a cold-pressed juice machine gets you to get a food processor where you blend the ingredients first and then cold-press that. Yeah. Like, I mean, like Norwalks? whole industry, like, complete horse hockey, or is it a legitimate thing? Uh, I don't know. Here, listen to this first. No child wants to play with a Peter in the box. No child wants to play with a Peter in the box. Yeah, that's uh, whenever Peter calls me. That's what I. That's what I get on my phone. But the um... before that, it was the sound of me in pain from burning my hands on the puffing gun. Oh, which which uh, which which I'll also play for you. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, that's a good day. I I don't I, I don't. Uh, honestly, have any experience with the cold press, and I'm sure you're talking about like uh, Norwalks, oh, uh, you know, wow. where it's basically just like a car jack with a bunch of stainless steel surrounding it, and it crushes it. Um, the people I know who have juice bars, like they love it because they say it's low temperature. But like, like you say, if you have to put it through a whole bunch of blending operations first, there's the opportunity for heating it before it goes into the press. Paul, I bet you've played with that crap. You play with that crap at all? That sounds like something you would play with. Nope. Sounds like something you would call into popular science. Not yet. Should Paul, I? Paul, yeah, because they're like thousands of dollars for no particular reason. Brian Lamb of The Wire Cutter and The Sweet Home is a gadget guy and a cold juice guy. Brian, are you listening? Mm, I don't know. So you know, call or tweet in, give us the answer. Uh, I, look, I'm gonna, I, I can't come down one way or the other on, uh, on cold juicing. I'll tell you this. The champion juicer heats the hell out of the juice sometimes especially like case three or four of apples and you're not stopping and you're cranking through. I've had the champion heat the juice. I've had the champion boil water. I've melted the magnets, the uh, protective magnets in the champion juicer from going to town on it. And partially that's why I love it so. But, uh, you know, the different juicers do have different qualities and it's not just the temperature. It's the way the extraction works. I tested the Breville versus uh, the Champion on apple juice this year and the juice qualities were very different. Not better, not worse, different. Hey, so, we got, uh, we got a caller who claims to have the answer to the juicing question. All right, here, here, oh, wow. here we go. Caller, you are on the air with the answer to the juicing question. Hey, David. It's Antoine from Boca. I remember I told you I used to run at Juice Bar. That is here. true. Before, oh, yeah. you, before you saw the light and started eating meat and, and you know cooking fish and all this other stuff. Yeah. And I now work in the cocktail bar as well. Yeah, so yeah. It's just full circle. But yeah, there's really almost no difference at all. Having worked with both, doing it at the taste-wise is minimal. Uh, if anything, the the uh, traditional juicers that are on cold press actually last longer. Really? Opinion, from what I've used, yeah. Huh. 
Huh. Um, when you use traditional I mean, juicers, though, are you using Nutrafasters or are you using Champions? Champions. Champions. Because a Nutrafaster yeah. is so fat, literally, I mean, that I bet you it doesn't heat juice at all. It's such a monster. I mean, did you have a Nutrafaster at your juice bar? No, we used, um, it's called the Good Nature, which is basically a souped-up version of the Norwalks, essentially. Okay. Souped Same principle, up. but just bigger. Even more expensive. Yeah, about ten times more expensive. Jeez. And you, and you were like, this is hokum. Pardon? You were like, this is horse hockey, this is BS, this makes no difference. Oh, totally. So much so. I mean, yeah. I, uh, the cold juicing is the biggest sham I could ever... Wow. <laughs> nice. Nice. But if your concern is enzymes acting on the juice, as long as it's not warm for very long, I don't think you're going to run into too much I was, trouble. I was talking in regards to the whole cold juice, like, in raw thing altogether. Like oh, yeah. 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 Well, I don't know. It's good to know. I mean, I have no experience. So, uh, you know, I'll, uh, I'm going to put, like, I like that you threw that out there over the bow. Maybe, I hope we get other people and be like, man. Someone man. Will. Let me tell you something about cold-pressed juice, though. Looks fantastic on a menu. That stuff sells. <laughs> you put mm. cold-pressed juice on a menu and people are like, cold-press? Yep. I the think it sounds like I should care, right? Doesn't it sound like I should care? Yes. We've, we didn't heat the juice and destroy all of its uh, vital nutrients. Okay. Dave, it's like our idea for calling milk boob juice. Yeah, so oh. Peter had this idea yesterday to have a milk brand called boob juice. <laughs> line crosser. And, and, uh, Peter, obviously habitual line crosser, as we've known, <laughs> takes it just to the edge of the family show and then crosses over it. But the reason no, but why, it's... we were talking about Haagen-Dazs. We're like, I got in an argument with Peter because, um, you know, I, I hate any, any labeling on any food of any type claiming health of any yeah. sort at all. Damn sure. I just don't like it at all. I don't think – I hate it when people say the XYZ piece of garbage is healthy because, you know, just – you know I hate it. Mm. It's, like, it's like just uh, whatever. Leave it off. And so we were saying that ice cream – should get the healthy label, but the ingredients should be boob juice, vegetable juice, rare orchid seeds. Ooh, yeah, wow. Cold pressed. Cold pressed. Cold, very cold, cold pressed. Well, no, but you have to heat the vanilla yeah, to get it to right, ferment yeah. right. So it's a like, cold pressed boob juice. Cold pressed boob juice. Yeah. Cold pressed boob juice, vegetable juice, <laughs> wow. which, which is you know sugar yeah. cane and and rare rare tropical orchid for your health. Vanilla. Yeah. Health. Health. Yeah. Is that a Steve Brule reference? Health. It was. Nice. Health. <laughs> but that's for Philly style. Do you have an alternate label for eggs? <laughs> like, that's Philly. that would be a Philly style. That's old style Briars. It's boob juice, vegetable <laughs> juice, and, 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 uh, and tropical orchid. Yeah. You know? Chicken seeds. Ooh. Ooh, chicken seeds. Chicken seeds. Paul, man, Paul, man you, go, you go some oh, sort of man. weird, creepy, gross. Like, that's like someone who thinks of a chicken as a plant is like, that's like just some like weird. That's weird up in this. That's, that's look great. at this. Nast- Nastasia has a different face than normal. It's kind of a freaked out face. A little bit, a little bit of a freaked out face. Nice. All right. Um, Okay, uh, Shira. Uh, well, you know what? Uh, any of you guys experts on Japanese rice? Peter. Peter. Oh yeah. No. Yeah, of course. Look to me. Nastasia <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> really showing her true colors here. And she to, thought I was Chinese. For the record, she did not think she you really were Chinese. Did. She, she did really not did. Think Up you until when? <laughs> for years, we knew for each other for years. For years. Uh, last year, we clarified that I'm not Chinese. 
you mean last year? I've known, like, ever, the day I've known you, I know you're Korean. So. Yeah, yeah, you. But Stas, <laughs> Stas is brain. I was Chinese up until last year. That is not the case, man. Well, I know that. She's but. not disputing it. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> She's got her shut, shut up face on right now. All right, so the... Uh, you know what? I'll do the Japanese rice thing next 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 week because it's too long and involved Japanese rice. Here, huh? Yeah, okay, Jeez. okay, okay, okay. Uh, Shy writes in. Hello, uh, Cooking Issues team. Thanks for answering my previous questions. Um, you spoke before about making tofu from peanuts. Uh, I've wondered if you've tried using other pulses. I think I have, but I can't remember. It's been a long time since I've made non-traditional tofu. Uh, Modernist Cuisine's done a lot of work on non-traditional tofus. You can, you can go look up their stuff. And the peanuts, I didn't have super great success with them because it, it didn't clot as well. I mean, other people have had good success. I looked it up on the internets today. And I know the Modernist Cuisine folks uh, did a lot. Anyway, whatever. I made tempeh from peanuts How was earlier it? this year. It was a successful tempeh but it was disgusting tasting. It was successful texturally, but successful texturally, it the mold grew correctly. Yeah, looked good. Yeah, smelled bad, tasted bad. Mm. Not like toxic bad. Just huh. if you think it smells bad, Paul's remember that was Paul Adams, the man who brought an open uh, can of surstroming in a taxi home with him and didn't think it was a problem. So if Paul thought it smelled bad, it stank up. It stank. It stank. It's I like, previously made a ginkgo tempeh. Oh, my God. Wow. What? Ginkgo nuts are the worst, most foul-smelling things. You have to wash the bejesus out of them before they're even usable. I did that. Oh, all right. <laughs> half ginkgo nuts, half dried soybeans. Delicious tempeh. You know what people used to write? You ever read old, like, horticultural books? I haven't. No. I mean, does I say write? I meant read. The, uh, the in ginkgo, they're like, people only plant the female ginkgos because, I mean, sorry, the male ginkgos because the, the nuts stink so bad. Mm. I was thinking nuts, male. But no, they're from the female right. tree. But the point is, is that that's not the case. Right outside the Mofad's office, there used to be a ginkgo nut, that, uh, a ginkgo tree that would drop its stinky nuts all over the tree, all over the oh, sidewalk. You used so to step gnarly. on those stinky nuts. What are you talking about? Stas, you remember the stinky ginkgo the, nuts? The red ones? They're, no, they're like this, and they're on the ground. You step on, you're like, oh, what smells like vomit? Oh, I see. They're our old office. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah of course. There were yeah. stinky nuts all stinky over there. Stinky We're getting the high sign over there. Oh, yeah. oh man. All right. Well, yes. listen, I'll answer, I'll answer uh, Shai's question uh, about Burmese tofu from chickpeas next week. Hopefully, I can get Francis Lamb. You couldn't talk about it this uh, week because whatever. Hey, listen, all love and thanks to my man Jack Inslee for all the years of cooking issues. Hey. And being a part of the show, being a part of the team, being our friend, uh, we'll miss you. My favorite part. Cheers, Paul. Not you, Dave. Uh, <laughs> I'll come make cameos. I'll come prank you from all different places. And we'll be back next week with more cooking issues, but it won't be the same. Oh, bye, guys. listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.